Praise the Lord. How's it going, everybody? Pastor Josh here. We are uh, queuing up for our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be launching our new study in the book of Colossians. And today I have the great privilege and honor of leading us through Colossians chapter one. We're going to see that Paul's letter to the church in Colossae was an awesome, awesome letter to a very young and uh, growing church. It was really a church of new believers. We at Mission Ebenezer, we have new believers. We have new new believers classes, discipleship, where we hope to see people grow in their their understanding and learning uh, in the word of God. So so for us, it's it's pretty awesome. And it's and it's for me, it uh, a lot resonated in in my study of uh, Colossians chapter one. So I hope that today's lesson is a blessing to you. I'm here in my study here at uh, Mission Ebenezer. Um, and uh, Pastor Manuel is right behind uh, that camera right there. And, and Enoch uh, Jimenez is also here. And they're part of our uh, tech and media team, but they're also ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want you guys to know that uh, the people that are behind all of the ones and twos are also people that have been uh, taught and trained up in the word of God. And we are focusing and, and asking God to give us even a greater clarity as we present and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We believe that the responsibility falls squarely upon our shoulders to make sure that the next generation learns about who Jesus is and has an unadulterated understanding of the truth of Jesus. So I pray that tonight's uh, message is very clear to you. I'm going to be using um, our whiteboard right here, right behind me um, in terms of uh, teaching tools. So um, I, I like to mix in and sprinkle a little bit of uh, my Greek learning and understanding. I, I can't go too deep in Greek, but I can go just enough to help us uh, learn and make it interesting for uh, the listener as well. So, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and open it in a word of prayer, and then we're going to read through the passage. I'll stop along the way and point out certain uh, consistencies in Paul's writings in the book of Colossae as we authenticate the letter um, that Paul wrote along with Timothy. Um, and so it helps to kind of stamp a seal of approval and uh, authenticity, kind of like a hologram, Major League Baseball hologram on a baseball card or, or anything like that. It, it, it just it gives it uh, a little bit more credence as to its validity. And so, um, you guys, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, and I pray that tonight's message is a blessing to you. We're pre-recording. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, my son has a playoff game later tonight at 630. Falls right at the same time as, as our Wednesday night Bible study. And so we got creative. We're thankful for the ability to pre-record. And we're thankful for an amazing team who has the skills to do it. So uh, let's go. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for today. I could tell, Father God, it's already going to be a wonderful, wonderful lesson. I thank you, Lord, for the word. I thank you that Paul um, penned these words to the church in Colossae to help them grow, to help them protect um, against um, heresies, attacks against the word of God, the people of God. We as the church have to be um, uh, image bearers of Jesus Christ. We have to be protectors and um, preservationists when it comes to the word of God. But more than anything, the, the main purpose, Father God, is to see lives changed. And we believe that, that we're, if we're uh, just true and honest, Father God, if we are uh, authentic, Father, and if we are humble, then you, Holy Spirit, will go before us and you will be the authenticator of everything that we teach and everything that we do. So, Father, I, I uh, dedicate this message to you, Lord, and I pray that it is a blessing to all of those who hear. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So we're going to go ahead and, and start off by reading through the passage, and then we'll we'll land on some, some points, some islands that I, I pray are hopeful, helpful for us all. Paul, chapter 1, verse 1. An apostle of Christ. Apostolos. Jesus, the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. So in other words, Paul, again here, always does this in his proscript. He likes to share who he is uh, in Christ. Um, and he calls himself an apostle, one who is sent. Um, one who is sent. And an apostle, the definition of apostle is somebody that spent time with Jesus. So in biblical times, it was the original 12 apostles that spent time with Jesus. And then it was Paul whom Jesus appeared to um, on his on the road to Damascus. And so Paul claims um, that because of his interaction with Christ and because of how Jesus came to him, that he had a particular um, validation and authentication with regards to his calling and his work and message in the gospel. <clears throat> so he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So we know right here, sometimes um, there's, uh, you know, there are writers and authors that claim to be somebody that they're not. Uh, we call that pseudonymous. And that means that these people have given fake names in order to try and leverage somebody's name, somebody's influence, so that what they have been, what they have written would be accepted with a greater sense of authority. But in this case, we're going to validate that this was a letter by Paul um, because he includes Timothy in it, um, which is very, very unique. He, he could not have lied about his identity by including Timothy in this letter. He says, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossa. All right. So Colossa was a very small town there um, in the uh, Mediterranean region, let's just say, um, not too far from, from Rome, uh, Ephesus. Um, Paul traveled around that, that region quite a bit. He says in verse three, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Notice how he's saying we instead of I. That's pretty awesome. Paul's probably at the point in his life where he is starting to um, include others in the ministry and realizing that it's not just about him. He's probably recognizing his own finitude. Paul is recognizing that he needs to start also including other people with a kind of authority that will give them the leverage that they need to continue the gospel and teach and preach to raise up people to do the work of Jesus Christ. Timothy, Timothy, Timothy was one of those individuals that Paul was raising up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He mentions Timothy's name, and then he begins by saying, we, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, he's speaking to the church in Colossa, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. 
all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on behalf and, and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, he says, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Watch this. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Man, Paul just lists it all. He wants to make sure that they get the fullness of his teaching in a very, very, very small letter. Um, it's only four chapters, the book of Colossians. Let's continue. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to stop right there for a moment. If we're able to get past um, verse, verse 14 of chapter 1, um, praise God. If not, I'm going to be focusing our, our teaching and our lesson in these first 14 verses. Um, so I want to bring us back to the beginning where, where we just came out of the proscript. Paul introduces himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. By the will of God, he's saying God was the one who willed it, that Paul would be redeemed by the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, and brought into a fuller understanding in his relationship with Jesus. And then he includes Timothy, one of his disciples that he's raising up in the word. Let me say that again. Paul was raising Timothy up in the word of God. And the word of God can do that for many of us. The word of God can can build us up. The word of God can teach us. The word of God can correct us. But the word of God is also like like a, a, an incubator. It's like a father or a mother raising a child up. And that's what the word of God does for the people of God. And Paul wants to make sure that Timothy is one of those children that's being raised up by the word of God. So I ask you the question, are you being raised up in the word of God? Are you growing in your knowledge, your understanding, and in your walk with Jesus through the Word of God. I think that's so important. Just yesterday in our staff um, Bible study and, and training time here at the mission, every Tuesday, we have a meeting where we all come together, all of our staff that are here on the campus. We spend time in the Word of God. We have a time to go over the plethora of, of events and activities that the church is doing. But the word of God has got to be essential and crucial for everything that we do as a staff. We're not just a secular staff or organization that is working out here to, to get the business or the work of, of God done. No, we are a people that are called by God, set apart by God to grow in the word of God and then to bring the word of God to the world. And what a, what a great responsibility that is, right? So Paul says right here that he's including Timothy in everything that he is doing now in the ministry. How important is it for us to be in mentoring relationships? How important is it for you? Number one, if you are 
mature in the word of God, if you've been built up in the word of God, are you pouring into others intentionally? Are you teaching somebody on a consistent basis, maybe on a week by week or every two week basis? Are you teaching somebody the word of God and bringing them through the word of God, raising them up in the word of God? If not, I want to challenge us to take that great responsibility to begin imparting the knowledge and the wisdom of God and the word of God into those around us, especially those who are younger than us or young in the word of God. Let's say you're a seasoned Christian. Guess what? It's time for you to be in a, in a mature mentoring relationship where you're committed to somebody. You're committed to somebody and committed to that somebody by pouring the word of God into them. Now, maybe you're not in a place of mentoring somebody like Paul was. Maybe you're not in a place of being an elder in the word of God or a mature or seasoned Christian. Well, guess what? Maybe it's you're the maybe you're the one that needs to be poured into. Maybe maybe you're even in ministry, but maybe you're young in ministry. Maybe you're this is new to you. Maybe the calling upon your life is very fresh and it's very new and it's very exciting. And maybe you're even in seminary. Maybe you're in Bible college. But could it be that you need somebody like Paul who is pouring into you? I'm 42 years old. And the, in the first 10 years of my, my ministry, when God called me from the ages of 24 all the way to, to about 34, God placed strategically people in my life that helped to pour into me that mentored me in the word of God. People like my father, people like Mike Keating, people like um, Barry Martinez, people like Mark Boyer, people like uh, George Hicker, right? Um, people that, that loved me and people that saw uh, the need for Josh Canales, people like Larry Acosta, who's people who saw Josh Canales, this young man, uh, full of potential, full of, uh, grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, but who also needed to be continued to be mentored and refined in his own growth in the word of God. And I'm not talking about knowledge about the word of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about studying in seminary and thinking that I know something and I'm smarter than somebody just because I've read a whole lot of books. That's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about today is growing in the word of God. What I'm talking about really is growing up in the word of God. And that's what Paul did with Timothy. Paul helped Timothy grow up in the word of God. And today I believe it's your time to recognize whether or not you need to be helping somebody grow up in the word of God, or you need to grow up in the word of God. And if that's the case, I pray that you uh, accept uh, the word of God today. I pray that the word of God speaks to your heart and speaks to your life so that we can see and understand what Paul was doing here. Not only in the church in Colossae, which was a young, new believing church, but also that Paul was sending people like Epaphras, Timothy, and others that could be representatives of Paul. People that could be ambassadors and disciples of Paul preaching the same truth and communi communicating in such a way that they would be able to receive it with authority and allow the grace of the Holy Spirit to change their life, their church, and the direction of their lives forever. He says in verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus 
and of the love you have for all the saints. I just, I can't get over the fact that Paul keeps using this language, we. That's so awesome. It's strategic. It's, uh, you sh- it shows that Paul is coming from a place of humility, that he's not trying to just um, take the, get all the credit and, and place all the responsibility on himself. He realizes, just like Jesus did when Jesus was imparting, imparting everything that he had to the disciples, Jesus knew he was going to leave. Paul knew that his, his time was coming as well. And he had to bring other people into the picture alongside him. That is awesome, you guys. And that's what's got to happen here at the mission. Maybe wherever you're at, that's got to happen right there where you're at as well. As you can tell, I'm so excited about this. And Paul begins in the first 14 verses talking about four very important uh, principles of Christ. Number one, faith. Number two, love. Number three, hope. And finally, truth. Now we're going to see that faith, hope, and love are three consistent and constant characteristics or attributes of the gospel that Paul talks about in many of his epistles. If you go to Romans chapter 5, you're going to see there that Paul also talks about faith, hope, and love. You're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where he talks about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of all is love. These are constants that are a part of Paul's spiritual DNA. What are What are some of your attributes? What are some of your characteristics that are part of your spiritual DNA? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it understanding? Is it wisdom? You know, is it love? Is it hope? Is it faith? Well, Paul includes these three constants in the first 14 verses of Colossians chapter 1. But there's one other principle that he includes, which in my opinion is very different from many of his other epistles. And why I think... Um, it makes Colossians unique to some of the others, like Philippians, Ephesians, uh, Galatians, First and Second Timothy, First and Second uh, Corinthians, First and Second Third Thessalonians, um, and that is the word truth. It's not just the word truth; it's the essence of truth. It's what truth is, and we're going to come back to that. So, but I want you to highlight that word truth because we we find right here in verse four. Look what it says. Because we have heard of your faith, number one, in Christ Jesus and the love. So faith and love and have for you all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth. Capital T, Aletheia, um, the gospel that comes to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. So, faith, love, hope, and truth. So let's turn right now to the whiteboard. I hope you can see it. I don't know if there's a glare, but if it is, don't worry. Just just bear with me. We're starting off here in the book of Colossians, okay? And we're going to highlight today faith, love, hope, and truth. Number one, the Greek word for faith is pistis. Pistis. And pistis is the noun for the word faith. But the word faith can also be a verb. And the, the, the verb for faith is pistuo. Okay? So if I were to trans, uh, transliterate it, not translate, but if I were to transliterate it into English... It would be uh, P-I-S-T-U-O. P 
pistuo, or in Greek, pistuo. Right there. That would be the, the Greek um, spelling for the word pistuo, which means to believe. Well, really, it means to faith. So faith can be both a noun and it can be a verb. So I faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, I believe in Jesus Christ, right? So Paul is, is highlighting these very important elements of the gospel that he's bringing to the church in Colossae. And the reason why is because Paul wanted to make sure that he established a very sound understanding and theology with regards to Jesus. Because Jesus was very different from anything that the people in Colossae had ever seen, had ever experienced, or had ever understood. Jesus was a thing. Jesus is a thing. Jesus is God. And Jesus came to die for the sin of the world so that we all might have eternal life. And that was the message that Paul wanted to communicate to Colossae. That all you needed was Jesus. And Jesus alone, nothing more, nothing less. Okay? So faith is very significant to Paul because it starts with faith. Hearing the gospel, receiving the gospel, and then faithing in the gospel. Faithing, faithing in Jesus. All right? Faithing in Christ. The second element is love. It's here on the board. Or the Greek word agape. Have you ever heard of the word agape? Agape is kind of like an unconditional love. And Paul wants to drive home this element of love or agape because he wants to show the world that it's a different kind of love than they experience. It's not eros or a type of erotic kind of love, right? Um, there's, there's all kinds of different types of love. But the love that we want to focus on today is agape. And that's the love that God has for us. That's the love that God demonstrated by sending his son Jesus, that, that Jesus encompassed and that God saw fit to place everything that he was, all the substance of God, he placed in the man, Jesus of Nazareth. All right. And Jesus of Nazareth takes on this, this, this greater understanding here in the world so that people could recognize him as the Christ or the Messiah. So Jesus is the Christ. So we're talking about faith that we establish in Christ, understanding the love that God has for us. And then he talks about a hope. And why is hope important for Paul at the church in Colossae? Well, hope is significant because the church in Colossae was really a new believing church, a newly established church. Now, if you guys had, if you guys had um, received the gospel message, and you were trying on an island all by yourself to to build to 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 grow and to be built up in that faith, in that in that new way of thinking, that new way of life that is completely different from the rest of the world. It's different from the culture. It's different from society. It's different from the educational institutions. It's different from government. It's different from policy. It's different from your own family traditions and cultures. That's who Christ is. Christ is different. Christ is greater. Christ is everything. Christ is all we need. 
Christ, period. It was Jesus. And that's what Paul wanted to communicate to the church in Colossae. You don't need anything else. You don't need to go back to another way of thinking. You don't need to go back to another culture or traditions that that are more comfortable and, and, and seat us back in a place where we can hang our hat on other things like religion or religiosity or an old form of religion or an old form of faith, right? No, Paul says, all you need, number one, is faith in Jesus Christ. And when you're in that faith, steeped in that faith, surround yourself with the love of God and never forget how much God loves you because the love has the power to sustain that faith throughout through eternity. Because it was love at the very beginning that created the heavens and the earth. God created everything for us. He created everything for us and so that he could have a relationship with his creation. So creation could love him and worship him and adore him. And that's that's awesome. Every day we get a chance to wake up, to lift our hands up, to turn our faces toward him and say, Jesus, I love you. God, I love you. And I understand how much you love me. Praise the Lord. Back to this idea of hope. Elpis is the Greek word for hope. And elpis is the understanding that that God will not forsake us. He'll never leave us. He won't set us off on our own. The church in Colossae was not on their own, although they they were facing all kinds of challenges and all kinds of adversity, all kinds of heresy, all kinds of lies, all kinds of attacks. Those that were leading the church were facing corruption and they had to make sure that they fought against every ounce, every bit of corruption, every ounce or bit of of bribery, every ounce of bit of trying to be relevant so that they could continue to preach and teach the message of Jesus Christ without feeling like they were slaves to anything else. Not slaves to money, not slaves to power, not slaves to materialism, not slaves to career, not slaves to sports, not slaves to debt, not slaves to sin, not slaves to addiction. Not slaves to fame, not slaves to the pressures and anxieties of our world, but slaves only and servants only. Dulos, douloi of Jesus, slaves of Jesus. And that is the most liberating, that is the most freeing thing that anyone could ever do. Jesus, try him. It's all we need. The hope that Jesus is coming for us again soon. Paul was doing his best to bring comfort to the church in Colossae, but it wasn't Paul himself who was going to bring them the comfort that they wanted or that they needed. Paul could show up at any moment there in Colossae or any other place like Philippi, Rome, Ephesus, Galatia, Thessalonica. And guess what? The people would still have the same issues and the same problems until they accepted who Jesus Christ was and realized that all of their hopes, all of their dreams, everything that they were looking for in life could be found in who Jesus was. 
Oh, I know what you're saying. But Jesus isn't here in the flesh. Well, guess what? We have his spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ that God has given to us. And Jesus himself said in the Gospels that the Holy Spirit is the greatest fulfillment and the best thing that we could ever have and the best thing we could ever hope for because he in 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 essence will be with us at all times and we could even feel his presence with us. And that's why Paul was communicating these things to the church in Colossae. So we see here that Paul talked about pistis. He talked about agape. He talked about elpis, right? Or hope. And then he talked about truth. Aletheia, right? Um, Aletheia. And this truth, you guys, that we want to talk about and that I'd like to share today before we, we end our Bible lesson in just a few minutes is this. Truth is very different from many of the other epistles or letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. Um, normally, it doesn't make it in his, his grand, uh, grand list of, of uh, principles like faith, hope, and love. Those are his, his top three. Those are his, his main ones. But no, truth is something that... And grace is also one of Paul's go-tos. But in the book of Colossia, it's truth. It's truth because they had to continue to, to fight and resist the temptation to go back to old ways or allow surrounding teachings, surrounding uh, culture to impact them, philosophies that the church in, or that people in Colossa had, had lived by for, you know, all of their lives, essentially. So, and what is, so what is the truth for us today? The truth is this. All we need is Christ. Christ alone. Here's our next point. Number six, Christ alone. Not Christ plus. This X is just um, an abbreviation in the, the Greek uh, spelling of the word Christos, which is like a capital Kappa. Kappa is the letter K in Greek. And so the, the capital K looks like an X. It doesn't look like in English. It doesn't look like a, 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 doesn't look like this. It looks like this. It looks like an X. So anytime I use an abbreviation for X, which is where we get the word Xmas, people go, it's not Xmas, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. That's what this means. It doesn't mean eliminate or X or X or cross out. No, this simply means Christ with a capital C, in other words. So it's Christ alone means that it is not Christ plus something else. It's not Christ plus a little bit of pagan religion. It's not Christ plus a little bit of, um, uh, uh, what is it? Superstition. It's not Christ plus a little bit of my old, um, <clears throat> family beliefs or traditions. It's not Christ plus. No, it's not Christ or Christ or this Christ or that. No, it's not Christ, but, um, it, yeah, belief or faith and love and hope in Christ. But no, it's not. There's no but. It's just Christ. It's just Christ alone right here. All we need is Christ. All we need is Jesus. 
All we need is Jesus. And Jesus means so much. Jesus represents so much for us. So when with me, I like to see things in, in the form of like formulas. I understand systems. I understand formulas. I was really good in geometry. I was really, really good in physics because I love to, to memorize formulas, plug in formulas, and then have a better understanding of, of all of the truths um, in life and or science for that matter. Well, guess what? For me, let's let's apply what we've learned today. Faith, hope, faith, love, hope, and truth. Down here, I've broken it down for us. Number one, it's faith in Christ. Number two, it's Christ's love. Number three, it's hope in Christ. And finally, truth in Christ. So here we are in 2021. Much has been said about the pandemic that we're coming out of. And praise God, the pandemic has helped us a lot. It's helped helped us to understand who we are. It's helped us to think. And most of the time, let's be honest, we don't really do a good job of thinking, do we? Sometimes we have opinions without even thinking. Sometimes we have opinions because we've been influenced by things that we, we have seen or consumed or outside pressures, so on and so forth. We can be a very opinionated people, especially here in the United States of America, especially as Christians, we could be very opinionated and sometimes to, to our demise and to the chagrin of Jesus, because I believe that Jesus wants us to come back to the word of God. He wants us to come back to the word of God. Young people, we got to be people of the word of God. People of God, we have to grow in the word of God. We got to grow up in the word of God. We got to spend time in the word of God. The church is called to bring forth the word of God to the world. We are part of the kingdom of light. It says here in verse 12 that we are saints that are called to be a part of the kingdom of light. And the word of God is a light. That's what the word is. The word shines itself on ourselves, on our lives, on our sin. The word of God shines itself upon the world. The word of God illuminates our path. The word of God should provide the direction for the church so that we end up holding on to the things that Jesus passed on to his disciples or apostles and that the apostles have passed on to the church. And so that's us. But you know what? I fear that sometimes we as the church, we've lost our way. Sometimes we've kowtowed to the culture. Sometimes we've ad adapted to the way the world is as opposed to the world seeing that we're standing up firmly and strongly for what we believe and what God has called us to. We don't need to have an agenda, you guys. The only agenda should be Jesus. We don't need to have an agenda of what you're going to stand for. The polarizing issues of today are going to be old in a few decades. There's going to be new issues. There's going to be more problems. There's going to be another issue or trend or thing that's going to cause Christians to try and rally behind or 
have an agenda about. It's not gonna, it's not gonna change. The agendas of yesteryear, the issues biblically or theologically of thousands of years ago, guess what? They've all just changed and morphed. And here we are in the 21st century and we're dealing with a whole different set of, of norms, principles, issues, and problems that the church is facing. And praise God. God will give us the discernment. God will give us the wisdom if we listen. God will give us the grace to maneuver through these challenges and to avoid the, the pitfalls or, or the landmines that are there, that are laid out before us as we continue to move forward. God will lead us. God will direct us. And God's also going to help us to pick and choose our battles. If we focus on leading people to Jesus, if we focus on, yes, speaking to, you know, some of the challenges that, that we in the world or the church need to address, then praise God. But guess what? All we need is Christ. It's not Christ and a stance on an issue. It's not Christ and, you know, an agenda on a specific item. No, it's Christ. We need to stay rooted and anchored to who Jesus is. That's what Paul's saying right here. There's a whole bunch of issues. Let me read finally the verses 15 to 23, and we'll close with the reading of God's word. I pray that we drive home what we've been talking about today right here, just by the reading of the word of God. Paul says in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So everything was meant to bring glory and honor to Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul was essentially bringing forth the truth of creation. He's retelling the story of Genesis in a love letter, in a way that was readily consumable for people to understand the truths of who God is and who Jesus is. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, talking about the resurrection, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, Paul says, so that in everything, Jesus being the first and the last, Jesus being the most and the greatest, Jesus being all and everything, he is supreme. Jesus is supreme. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Let me read that again. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile himself 
to all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There it is. There's the gospel. That God loved us so much that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, and his shed blood to reconcile all of creation, not just humans, but all of creation unto God so that we're redeemed. And that's the job of the church. The church is to bring people to a loving relationship with our creator. That's our job. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, that's just called rebellion. When we're rebellious and we don't want to be corrected and we don't want to be told what to do, we do what we want. And when the light is shown on the things that we are and the things that we do and the things that we say and the things that we want to do, guess what? We don't like it until the light penetrates and burns through the darkness. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Let me stop there for a moment. What he says here is, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. In other words, Jesus just wasn't just a spirit. Jesus wasn't just um, this invisible presence or being or person or concept or, or religion or faith. Not a crutch. Nothing like that. Not something to help you through the tough time. No. It says Jesus' physical broken body. His, the very substance of who God was, was, was sacrificed so that we could be reconciled unto God. Man, that's, that's crucial, man. That's, that's huge. That speaks to our flesh. It, sp it speaks to our body. It speaks to our present day situation. It speaks to the daily grind that it is to serve Jesus and to love him and to do it his way. It speaks to the changes that have to be made in us and around us. We're responsible. I'm responsible as the pastor of this church. Let me finish reading this verse and then I'll come back to a thought. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. See the hope in the gospel. It's, we, we trust and put everything in Jesus Christ by faith. And in doing so, it's a great hope. We'd like to say it's knowing, but really it's believing it's hoping. And that's what it is. This is the gospel that you heard. Paul says, from me, from Epaphras, from Timothy and others like them. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So, um, so I want to share with you guys a little story that um, just took place yesterday. And I think you'll appreciate it. I was talking to some of the workers right outside the sanctuary doors um, and they're working on a, a, a tiny little uh, 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 remodel project, just changing out some tile. And um, one of the guys had a smirk on his face and I, I was speaking with them in Spanish, my broken Spanish, but it, it's getting better, right? It's getting better. And I thank God for that. But one of the guys had a smirk. I said, what are you, what are you laughing at? And he said, uh, uh, so you're the owner of this place. And I was like, who, me? He's like, yeah. 
I heard you're the owner. I was like, nah, I'm not the owner. I'm just a pastor. And he says, oh, well, that's what they're saying. I go, no. Nah. I was just like, yeah, I have the, I have the, the honor and the, the privilege, but also the great responsibility of, of caring for a people and loving a people and, and leading a people along with my wife and the rest of our leadership at the church. I said, this place is five and a half acres. It belongs to God and it belongs to his people. I'm just one of the stewards. I'm a pastor and a pastor is a shepherd. And my job is to love God and to love the people. He goes, hmm. I said, this building, this belongs to the Lord. And, but the building is not the most important thing. It's the people. It's the people that are receiving the message. He goes, that's the most important thing, the message. I go, the message is pretty important, but the message is not the most important. The most important thing is God. The second most important thing are the people of God that are receiving the message. So yes, our job is to bring the gospel to those who would receive the love of Jesus in the best way possible. And that's for us to be diligent and sharing what's in this good book with those who are in the world, facing all hurt, brokenness, devastation, depression, oppression, um, corruption, abuse, scandal, and to love Jesus. I said, my hope, man, my hope is that people understand that this building doesn't mean anything to me. And this building is a mere reflection of the fact that there's a people that are called to this place and called to one another to serve and to worship Jesus in the best way and shape and form that we know how. And I believe that's what Paul was saying to the church in Colossa. His job was to make sure that they were a people that were built around the word of God. And I pray that even through the lesson today that we learn about the significance of faith, the importance of love, of hope in Jesus Christ, and finally, the truth of it all, that Jesus Christ is everything that we need, that he is the firstborn, that he is the firstborn from the dead, that Christ created everything for him, uh, for himself, and for the purposes of bringing all creation back to God. I pray that today's uh, Bible study lesson was um, encouraging and it was a blessing to you because it was to me. As God continues to shape me, as God continues to direct my mind and my heart, my life, I pray that you also humbly accept um, the teaching that I brought today. I love you. Can't wait to see you soon. If you're new to Mission Ebenezer, if you're receiving uh, this message and hearing it for the very first time, we want to welcome you to visit our website at www.missionebenezer.org where you can communicate with us and we can communicate right back to you. We want to plug you into ministry. We want to teach you how to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how to live out the gospel truth in this uh, 21st century. So God bless you. I'm Pastor Josh Canales uh, signing off from the mission. We'll see you next time. God bless.